0: I'm Lauren Green, and this is the Let's Meet for Coffee podcast. This podcast was created so I could have real, authentic, and encouraging conversations with my special guests and with you. We'll talk about faith, relationships, passions, and purpose. So, whether you like coffee or tea, mimosas or matcha, grab your drink and join us. We're going to keep it real, grow together, and have some fun. Welcome to another episode of Let's Meet for Coffee. As you know, I'm Lauren. Um, Thank you for hanging out. If this is your first time joining us, um, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here um, and I hope that you enjoy hanging out with us. Tonight, I have a super special guest, my friend, Eldis. Hi, Eldis. (laughs) Hi,
1: Lauren, thank you so much for (laughs) having me on.
0: You're so welcome. Um, We have been friends Quite a while. Yes. Um, she knew me. Um, <laughs> she was actually my professor when I was in school. Yep. <laughs> she knew Nati as she was in my belly before Nati was even born, my daughter. So um, yeah. we go way back and just to see um, her transformation, right? We're going to be talking about her newest adventure. Um, it's called Hearts on the Table. And I'll give her time to really explain what that's all about. But um, it's just been amazing getting to see her journey, getting to see how God has been working in her life and pulling her out of her comfort zone. Um, So I'm really excited (laughs) to share with you um, everything that she's been up to. So before we jump into your nonprofit, right, your newest adventure, Hearts on the Table, um, give us a quick like elevator testimony, maybe a two minutes of um, your life story up until this point.
1: Okay. And thank you so much again for having me. I think a testimony is so important right now, especially in 2020, right? Where it's just so easy to see everything fall apart around us. And really, you know, it wouldn't be an odd thought to even think, you know, is there a God, right? Um, So I think by hearing other people's testimony and seeing how God has worked in their lives just kind of gives us that, that hope that, you know, not only hope, but that knowledge and that knowing that God is and does exist. And you know, just like he's done great things in other people's lives, he can do them in ours as well. So I'm gonna do a very quick summation of my testimony. And it kind of starts 20 years ago when I was 19 years old. And I had uh, about, 12 years of fighting depression and anxiety and shame and a lot of things that came with being um, sexually abused at seven years old, right? And I was really angry. I was born or excuse me, I was raised in the church. Um, So I was really angry at the church and I was angry at God. And I had all of these, you know, blockages that really made me kind of like an energy vampire, right? Or people didn't really like to be around my energy, but what people didn't realize is that I didn't like being around my energy either, right? So I, I had gone through such a, a a terrible situation, but nobody really, you know, asked why she's she so angry? Why is she so bitter? Why is this, it, nobody really asked that. It was just, you know, ugh, you know, we don't like being around that that kind of energy, but I didn't like that either. And, you know, the only way I knew to escape myself <clears throat> was the thought that came to my mind was eternal sleep, right? Wanting to hurt myself, wanting to kill myself. And um, at this time, I had left the church or what I thought was, you know, left God, I was angry. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had left the church around when I was 16 years old and I was kind of rebellious. So I remember that on Saturday night, I was just kind of done with it. And I laid down in my bed and I remember in whisper crying to God, I said three phrases. I said, I want to run, 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 and never stop. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And I said, if you don't take me tonight, which I remember is a Saturday, I'm going to take my life tomorrow. And I needed it to be on Sunday because for some reason I felt that, you know, the church, I was angry at the church. I felt abandoned by them. I felt, you know, abandoned by my parents due to church. Like just a lot of things that, you know, I really do believe that the enemy works. Here, most and, and foremost, you know, the, the mind, right? And, and all the things that, that the, the my mind monsters were telling me was that I was worthless, that I was not loved, that nobody cared about me. And I remember saying those three phrases and knowing that I had to do it on Sunday so people could be scarred by it. You know, I was just in that awful mentality. And I'm, I'm ashamed to say it, but that's where I was. And yeah. to make a very long story short, I was supposed to be scheduled to work, and I worked at Winn Dixie. Uh, <laughs> and when I was 19, <laughs> Winn Dixie never over. Uh, schedules. Okay. But when I was, when I went over there to work, they said, you know, we're overscheduled, but you can go home. And on my way home to do the deed, you know, I thought I'm going to challenge God. And I know the Bible says you're not supposed to. And I, I don't, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not, I was just in a very dark place. Right. I didn't really care. Right. right? So I said, I'm going to go to the church and I'm going to sit way in the back. And if you love me, right. Because nobody else loves me, but if you love me, talk to me, tell me something. Right. And I went to the church and it was about a hundred people. And I sat way in the back. And I remember there was a lady from Honduras, a missionary. I never had seen her a day in my life. She just looked about my complexion and she had like a, a beauty mark. That's all I remember about her black hair. And she preached and nothing had to do with me. So I remember telling God, see, not even you love me. And she basically made an altar call, nothing had to do with me. And before she turned over the microphone, she said, God wants me to pray for somebody here. And I get, you know, the doubt in my mind was still there. So I was way in the back, I sat down. And when she said you, and she pointed in my area, I knew there was a really tall friend of mine. And I said, hey, she's talking to you. And she goes, no, not her, you. But still, I had doubts. As I'm walking up there, I'm like, God, this lady has no idea. She, you know, she, She's just going to pray the, the same prayer that they always do, the church prayer, which is, you know, God bless in her school. She has no idea what I'm even thinking, what I'm contemplating. And that's exactly what happened. She, prayed, she put her hands on my forehead, and she was like, God, you know, bless her in school, you know, bless her studies. And I'm thinking in my mind, see, I knew it. And then I'm not sure what happened and when it happened, but the lady somehow gave the microphone away to somebody because she was praying over the microphone to me. And when she came back to me, she spread her hand out and she put her hand over my heart. And I remember this warmth just spreading through me. And she put her lips to my ear and she said, you told me you want to run, 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 never stop. You told me you don't want to be here anymore. You told me that if I didn't take you, you were going to take your life. The only thing this lady changed, everything was verbatim. This lady from the other side of the world that i never seen a day in my life. The only thing she changed was you told me, you know, so I'm not one of those people that falls back and falls out. I'm not. But my knees buckled. You know, I, I couldn't understand. And even with I've had many times I work in the medical field. A lot of people know I work in heart surgery. There's a lot of questions that I don't know. You know, when I work so hard to sometimes, you know, with a team to save somebody's life and they don't live. I question that sometimes, I'm like, but God, you know? Yeah. But then there's all their times, like this one, that I'm like, but God, you know? So I've had to come to the grips that I don't I don't know everything. And, you know, because of my, um, when, when my trust was broken when I was seven years old, a lot of my journey, a lot of my healing journey for the last 20 years has been reconciling that trust, right? Not reconciling just that trust in God, reconciling that trust in myself, that I can choose good people, that I can keep myself, you know, safe. Um, Trust in others, right, because not everybody's bad. You know, I, I, I was given the privilege to go for 21 days to Thailand by myself. And I met some of the most beautiful souls you will ever encounter, you know, from all over the world. So there are really good people. But right now we're living in a society where we don't trust each other. This yeah. you know, this side of, of, of uh, whether it be religion, whether it be, you know, uh, women against men, whether it be, you know, any, anything that causes a division, even religion, you know, I, I don't see it as something healthy for us, you know, when we put up those drapes and we're cutting into the cardiothoracic cavity, everything goes out the window. We don't even know if it's a woman or a man. We don't know the nationalism. We don't know the, you know the race. We don't know religion. You know, They're just a human being. And I wish people would understand that that's what more God is, that love that we're all, whether it be different races, different nationalism, we're all like one. We're the yeah. human race, right? So. That is, I remember when you first told me that story
0: And even just listening to you tell it again just gives me absolute chills, knowing that God, it's just an affirmation that God really does care. And he knows your heart. He knows what you're going through, even if you don't feel him in that moment. Like you said those three things in a whisper by yourself where nobody could hear you on the other side of the house. Mm -hmm. And yet he used a missionary from Honduras. Yep. To Not even the pastor of
1: that church. It was like someone from the other
0: side someone of the Someone just in case. <laughs> someone that you had never met, never seen ever in your life yep. to affirm to you, like, I am listening. I am here and I care about the details mm-hmm. of your life. Like, you, that was his way of telling you, you are worthy. Like, you are valuable. And I just think that. Someone needed to hear that. Someone needs to hear that, that your life is worthy, that you're valuable. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think um, part of Hearts on the Table is because of your own story, your own journey. So um, tell
1: us about hearts on the table like you had that experience when you were even though I had that experience you know healing didn't happen for me overnight you know it literally took and I think healing sometimes is a continuous process because if anybody tells you life is all you know rose colored and you're never going to have a problem you know they're not being honest life is very cyclical you know Uh, there's the dichotomy right you can't have darkness or you can't have light without darkness right you can't have happy without sad and you know, even the birth to death, right? Like loss, pain, being around so much death and dying in my own job, right? Because, you know, just to give everybody a short, kind of background. In my day job, I'm a cardiovascular perfusionist, um, and I operate heart-lung machine. Basically, I stop hearts and keep patients alive. But I do that with a team of people, surgeons and anesthesiologists, nurses, amazing team of people that literally go in day in, day out, spend a lot of time with their own team and sometimes not enough even time with their family to do this job. So big ups to everybody that does that. But, um, you know, working in that field being so close to death and dying at times has literally taught me how to live right because what i realized is that a lot of people instead of like living they're just existing you know before this i used to be very fearful again i didn't trust people i didn't trust god i didn't trust my l- myself excuse me and i didn't trust the life, life evolving or life happening to us, right? I didn't mm. trust those things. So how was I supposed to go across the other side of the world to Thailand and be around strangers? You know, that that was just something completely out, out of the norm for me. You know, I was raised around a lot of fear. I was raised with, you know, because family things happened to my family members, they taught me, hey, the world is a very scary place. Um, but I didn't wanna live like that because I was around so many people dying and a lot of young people. It wasn't always you know, people that we think 80s, 90s, dying of heart disease. No, a lot of times there were 27 year olds, there were 34 year olds, you know? Um, and I'm always thinking in the back of my head, like I hope they lived you know, I hope they, they, they did their dreams. Right. Like they say sometimes like the, the you find the most treasure in, in a in a, a, funeral home or in a cemetery. Right? A because graveyard. That's where people, a graveyard. Yes. Thank you. Because that's where people's yeah. dreams go to die. Right. So I always thought that I'm like, God, you know, they're gone now. But I hope that they lived while they were here. And that being around that was like, well, what are you living? Are you just existing? And I'm just like I'm just existing. Like I'm not happy. I'm not happy in my relationships. I'm not happy, you know. In in sometimes these all these areas in my life. And you can do one of two things: you can complain, or you can change it. Right. You can be a victim, or you can be a victor. You can't do both at the same time. Right. So I started thinking right. like, what do you want to do? If tomorrow was your last day, like, how do you want to live this life? And you know, I wanted to be healed. And you know, since when I was 19, this was. 20 years of healing by this point, right? Where I'm, I'm kind of telling you and coming to you now. And what I discovered along the way is as I was healing, I was also teaching, right? And it was mostly mm-hmm. just friends and colleagues here and then, and now it became like more clients, but you know, as I found my way back to healing my relationship with myself and then my relationship with people, I also been able to help people find that as well. So with working with adults, I started realizing a lot of the same things I was seeing in their relationship problems and a lot of things that that was hearing, you know, hearing from them and how they felt about themselves. They stemmed a lot from childhood, right? We were carrying, a a lot of us are carrying a lot of childhood excuse me, childhood wounds. And, you know, no matter how great your parent tried to be, I'm not blaming by no means on on parents because I think parents do the best they can with the tools that they have. At times, that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't cause wounds along the way unintentional ones. You know, one of the things I work with a lot are people that have abandonment wounds and abandonment wounds at times. It's not even from an absent parent or a parent that abandoned their child and decided to just leave. You know, at times I've noticed that it's parents that were working two or three jobs to try to raise their child and keep a roof over their head, you know, but because of that, the patient, you know, the parent wasn't emotionally there. So then what do we do as adults? We start seeking that in, in relationships. So we're like, why do I keep attracting the same kind of guy? Why do I keep trying, you know, attracting the same kind of relationship where people don't treat me right, where people, you know, they're not emotionally there. It's because we're comfortable. We we learned a pattern. We learned that, you know, again, subconsciously from our parent that wasn't there for us. So a lot of times, you know, self-knowledge has been really the greatest thing for me, but my healing hasn't been so much as building something up as sometimes building, you know, destroying something, right? The, the, false beliefs that I had about myself. You know, I was told as a little kid that I was not cute, that I was unworthy, that I was, you know, again, but what I learned is that this, these thoughts, these things came from people that they themselves were hurt. And now looking at it that way, I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, pain begets pain, you know, happiness begets happiness. Like anything that you can only give what you have, you know, there was a, a, a famous person, his name is Dr. Wayne Dyer. He always said, if you squeeze an orange, what do you get? You know, you're not going to get pear juice. You're not going to get apple juice. You're going to get orange juice, just like a person when you squeeze them, right? When you stress, stress of life, anxiety, pe- uh, pressure, anything that happens, a bad day at work, whatever. What are you going to? What are they going to give to their children or to their spouse? They're going to give what they have inside. So they haven't worked on themselves, which is that initial relationship that I talk about, right? Like being able to heal that first relationship with yourself, then you can heal the other relationships in your life. And that's kind of what I've been doing for the last, you know, 20 years helping myself learn that and then now helping other people. But that led me to start the nonprofit because I know that's where I kind of want to go and talk a little bit about. But working with adults, I started realizing they have a lot of childhood wounds that they haven't healed. And because of them not healing those, they take them into their adult lives and they're now taking out that on their spouses and on their children. And on their coworkers, right? Yeah. And a lot of this stuff. Not only did I learn to heal it, but I, I was, you know, showing up in these areas not in pretty, pretty ways either, right? Um, and that's kind of like I had to go through these things also to understand and help people resolve them as well, you know? So at yeah. times relationships doesn't just mean romantic relationships. You know, you have family relationships that you might have had issues with. You might have had issues with work, you know, being either passive aggressive or allowing, not even not speaking your boundaries or, you know, also not knowing how to deal and emotionally be, you know, keep your boundaries but also know how to voice your, your opinions on something. So like all of these things um, unhealed in childhood stem to having issues in our interpersonal relationships as adults. Yeah. So my thought was, if we're able to heal these teens before they go into choosing partnerships, they're going to choose healthier partnerships. Before they become parents, they're going to be better parents. They're going to be able to be equipped with tools that maybe you know the parents that, that didn't realize that their child was developing abandon, abandonment issues you know, they may have been able to prevent that. So, you know, they're gonna be able to be better parents and they're gonna be able to live in their purpose. You know, right now there's so many people and the people that, that sometimes come to me, aesthetically, they look, I mean, they go to the gym all the time. I mean, they got six packs. Some of them are beautiful on the outside, but they still suffer from a lot of the root causes of unhappiness, right. insecurities, you know, lack of self love, all of those things. And I, I think it's really important if we're able to teach these kids not only life skills, right? Because hearts, hearts on the table, we're going to be able to teach them life skills. And I want them to be able to be prepared. Um, I'm going to have entrepreneurs on the show as well, just because a lot of times we have to hear success stories, right? Like, especially me. I came from a very humble beginning, right? I didn't see people that succeeded, you know, I didn't have that path to follow. So for me, bringing entrepreneurs on that have been able, you know, at times came from your beginnings, but they've been able to now set themselves up or now have their own business or, you know, success comes in a lot of different ways. So your, your method of success is different than, than maybe mine, but still just people that have taken the reins of their lives and, and not said, okay, well, where I'm from is going to define me. No, You know, you define you. You're the one, I I heard the other day a story that, you know, two different people saw the same painting. And one said, I'm gonna pay $5 for that painting. And the other one said, I'm gonna pay a million dollars for that painting. You know, what's the difference? It's the same painting, right? you're the one that basically puts that price tag on yourself, right? I'm not saying that things are gonna come easy, right? Every, t- every time, right. you know, I had, it, it takes, oh yes. You know, it takes the, the mindset shifting. It takes all that, but then you get that opportunity, right? God sets you up with that opportunity. It takes action. It takes a lot of work, you know? So that that's what people don't see. It's both of it. Yes, you have to think, okay, there's an abundance of opportunities coming to me. You know, I'm gonna be blessed. You know the right people, the right opportunities that come to me, but then when they come, that's when you either
0: you, you know, you, to work.
1: yeah you either yeah, you either go to work or you just you know oh, I can't do this, and you know, but God gave you the opportunity, right so hundred percent
0: yeah I think that so some people um do one of two extremes, either they they pray and wish and like wanna speak life over themselves. Like I'm gonna get this and I'm gonna have this job and I'm gonna make this amount of money. And they're just kind of like wishing and casting this vision, but their action doesn't match or they hustle, hustle, hustle till their eyes bleed um, and they don't trust God. So Mm -hmm. it's like this happy medium of God, I'm gonna do the work but I'm gonna trust you for the outcome. I'm not gonna sit on my butt and eat Cheetos and like watch Mm -hmm. TV and Netflix all day. Like I'm gonna work with the opportunity that you've given me Um, but I'm not going to stress myself about how it's going to happen. God, I trust you. And I know that you're going to make it work for me, you know, like that happy middle ground. And you said something about you, I think you started working with adults and then you're like, if we can even cut this sooner, like before they even enter into adulthood, Mm -hmm. um, like that's like, get, get it closer to the source, right? Get it closer to when it begins because you know, those, middle school, high school years, like those are super, super tough. And it's getting mm. tougher. I feel like, tougher, like <laughs> mm-hmm. kids are experiencing things, mature things earlier and earlier. Um, so I think it's great that you're like, let's work with these teens. And God has really given you a heart for that. Um, you mentioned these false beliefs, you know, these negative thought patterns. Give me maybe like, a practical step or two on how people can start to break those false belief
1: patterns? Well, I think one of the things that worked a lot for me because I didn't believe, right? I, I had been programmed for so long with the beliefs of these people. And that identified, that was what I identified. Oh, I'm ugly. I'm not successful. I'm not going to be able to do this. Like, those were my most pressing thoughts and beliefs. Right. And anytime anybody gave me a compliment or anybody, you know, so some type of love to me, right? Or, or even to the fact that when I did have people that loved me in my life, I felt that was awkward. Like, how are the, you know, th- when you're so fixed on a pattern, anything outside of that pattern fe- feels foreign. And we really, right. as, as humans, we don't like change. We really, really struggle with change. So we'd rather be miserable and comfortable right, then shift, yep. then get into oh, yeah. something where, where we're gonna be loved and we're gonna be in a healthy relationship and we're not gonna have to beg for crumbs. We'd rather be there, you know, be in a, in a in a place where it's more comfortable. It it aligns with what we knew as our parents, right? We had to seek that approval. We had to either, you know, be really good or get in trouble, whatever, to try to get that attention from that parent that was always busy or emotionally unavailable. So we had to like, eh. you know, we we'd rather do that. We'd rather like try to keep people's attention and and instead of really saying hey i'm worthy of someone like like loving me as much as i love them right like that was too foreign that felt too awkward that felt too out of the norm so for me i had to start getting used to that and and what worked a lot for me was something called mirror mirror work excuse me and that's really when you literally spend you know it, it could be at first a few minutes a day because it's gonna Feel awkward, you know, even you yourself telling you, I'm worthy or I am lovable or, you know, I love you, even as you're looking at yourself in the mirror, you know, Mm -hmm. it's gonna feel weird because, again, the majority of your thoughts are literally, it's almost like a programming, right? It's like a program, a disc, a CD that keeps running and running and running. And the negative feels normal. So when you start giving it a different, you know, different vocabulary, you're just going to be like, oh, at first, it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel weird. Yeah. But if you keep at it, right? Cause really you're, you're, you're breaking that system. You're breaking that record. You've got to add more of this good stuff so you can start blocking out the bad stuff. So little by little, I would say affirmations, I would say mirror work, looking at yourself and little by little, you're going to start believing like I am worthy. I am beautiful. You know, that's one of the things that has helped me the most in my, uh, uh career or in my, you know, my growth. <laughs> yeah. But I would say, uh, uh another, um, would be is really, you know, surrounding yourself and with people that are good to you also, Um, right? Because I, one of the things I was uh, kind of guilty for is that I wanted so badly to be loved, that there was a time that I didn't even know who I was, right? So then when I started doing this work, I started being like, you know what, let me be choosy on who I give my energy to or who I surround myself with, right? They always say that, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you want to work work on yourself. You can't be around people that are just going to talk down to you. There's there's got to be a shift where if it's your family or if it's your boyfriend or, you know, you've got to start choosing better things for yourself. So I would say those are the two things that you can do immediately right now is surround yourself with people that are gonna uplift you. That you know, being around them, you're not only sewing into them, you know, they don't just feel better when you leave, but you also feel like you got something out of that. And if you yeah. can't feel that, then that's not the person you need to be around. You know, if you just feel drained at the end and they dropped all their problems on you two hours later, you're drained, you're not getting anything. You know, leave those people aside for a while. They're gonna be all right, they'll find somebody else. But when you're trying to sew into your when you're trying to build yourself up, you need people that are going to sew into you as well. You know, you're going to need people that are showing you by their actions that, you know, you're worthy because you need, you're, you're trying to prove to yourself that you're worthy. Does that make sense? You're, you're shifting that, especially when you felt unworthy, when you felt unlovable, you're like shifting that now. So you've got to be around people that are also going to give you that sensation.
0: Right. And don't be surprised that when you start to make those shifts, People are going to start falling off, right? Because you have to do like, you have to do an audit of yourself, just how you were saying, you know, who am I surrounding myself with? Is it people that are uplifting me and speaking life into my situation and here to make me better? Or is it just drama filled and just gossip and just so much weight? Um, You have to audit, you know, after I talk to this person, how do I feel? You know, do I feel uplifted and rejuvenated mm-hmm. or do I feel like you said, drained? And you, and as you start to make those shifts, I think people sometimes expect like this magic pill that they can take. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna start rearranging my thoughts and it's gonna mm-hmm. be better. And it's like, no, it takes time. Mm-hmm. You have to discipline, like it's a discipline mm-hmm. that you have to train yourself to do. And like you said, the more you do it, um, it's like, it's like a muscle. It's like a muscle. It's like going to yeah. the gym, right? Yeah. It's like
1: yeah. the better, the more you do it, the better you become, the mm-hmm. less awkward it feels, the stronger um, it is. But also, it's so important because literally, the, our relationship with ourselves sets the tone for everything else. If you accept crap from yourself, you're going to literally accept people giving you crap all the time yeah then the people that you're gonna get your partners and you know the relationships that you have they're not gonna get better you know one of the my teachers used to always say calm your inner storm and your outer storm will calm right so that means you take care of your inside you take care of your first relationship which again that's your relationship with you that's your relationship with source whatever you want to call it i call mine god but you know whatever fill in the gap or fill in the the blank right but that relationships those two relationships are so important because they're the ones that are going to tell you who am I right even when life tries to tell me other people try to tell me who I am right. i can always go to my source to god and be like god who am i and that's yeah. when i remember i'm going to shift that from those people telling me because those people were in pain they can only give me what they had right they were in pain yeah. so they're just telling they're not they're not really telling me the accuracy they're not telling me the truth about me they're just telling me what they thought because they were in pain so i go to god and i'm like all right god who am i you know and he's like you know you're the daughter of a king right like you are worthy you are lovable you know you're the wow. apple of my eye so like you know when i think of that then i'm like all right god then i'm gonna do this work you know i did not want to do this i you know now that we're talking about hearts on the table and you're a very you can reaffirm this because i came to you many times yeah out of fear i did not want to do this i um for many times I ignored the calling over my life. I, I I ignored it because even though I had done those 20 years of work and I had come from that, that story that I initiated with, I had built someone on top of that, right? Like I buried that person down and, you know, I gone to school and now I'm working in heart surgery and now it's all good. Like, you know, I'm successful, quote unquote successful. Right. But I do believe, and I heard it in a preaching that first God taps, then he knocks, and he just blows your door down, right? (laughs) And for me, that moment came, you know, when I was working, right? And I was called in for a transplant at three in the morning once, and it was nothing different about that night except the donor heart. And I had heard that that donor heart was from a 15-year-old girl that, very similar to my story, was told she was unworthy and unlovable and that she didn't belong. Right. And she mm-hmm. believed it. And I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to believe that literally like there's the scum of the earth and the earth, you know, worms and whatever. And you're like way underneath that, like that there's nobody. And, and that's like a lie. Right. Again, we go back to where, you know, evil really where takes place. And a lot them? of times that warfare yeah. comes from here, you know, those thoughts. And I knew that that's what that girl wanted. She just wanted peace. She just, and she probably wanted, like, if people are attacking her so much and people are saying, you know, again, remember how I told you, nobody wanted to re- be really around me, that energy and whatever, you know, because like, oh, poor me, I was always the victim. And I was, you know, it's like Eeyore, you know, and Eeyore and mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh. Like, a lot of people don't want to be with Eeyore all the time. I get it. Like, Eeyore's not Pooh, right? He's not Tigger. He's not bouncing around. Like, you know, um. But that's kind of how I was, and that's probably how she was. And she probably wanted to get away from herself too, you know. And all, all I'm saying is I felt that I knew her pain. I knew yeah. where she was coming from. And that just reminded me, you know, okay, I, I have to do something, right? If if my you know, if my story just makes me want to create an organization, which again it hearts on the table is not just go- geared towards my story, right? Trauma comes in many different ways. And it's not really just people that, that, that I want you know, in the organization that have or any type of trauma, this is more of an empowerment organization as well. You know, I I really think that there's three components healing, uh, transcending, right, transcending the blocks. And that means, you know, limiting beliefs, you know, you may not have trauma, but you might think, hey, I'm not good enough to go to school and be a doctor, or I'm not good enough, you know, to, you know, whatever, whatever the goal is, you know, you sometimes limit yourself, you yeah. Know, nowadays, we limit ourselves and we compare ourselves. We go on, you know, Instagram, we go on social media and we're like, oh, my God, that woman's perfect. And, you know, that look at that house. And we're always fall, like finding ourselves short. Yeah. But guess what? This is your meat suit. Like, you know, you can do one of two things. And I had this conversation with myself because I didn't like the way I looked. You know, I was always told that I wasn't good looking, that I wasn't attractive. So I always was like, oh, like, I'm so ugly. And that was the the record. That was the record in my mind. And I got to a point when I'm like, but you're in this suit. Like there's no, you know, I mean, I know there's surgeries and I know whatever, but at the end of the day, this is my skin. This is what I, what I came down to this earth with. So I can do one of two things. I can either try to make it my best skin suit, right? Like I could just, you know, work on myself and go to the gym and eat good. You know, at the end of the day, this body's your temple, right? Or yeah. I can just keep bashing myself and being like, you're not good enough, good at you know, what I've always realized is that there's always gonna be someone that's more beautiful than me. And there's always gonna be someone that wishes they look like me. There's mm-hmm. always that, you know? So it's yeah. like, if you know that there's always gonna be that, and this happens to even the most beautiful people, that's what a lot of people don't realize. That, you know, they they there's proven, you know, uh, records that Marilyn Monroe was like insecure. And she was one of the people that like everybody loved. Iconic, you know? like, yeah. Right. And she was iconic and everybody thought she was gorgeous. And she also had insecurity. So what I'm saying is, you know, these issues don't stem. They have no, you know, wealth doesn't, you know, get you away from childhood wounds or or inner wounding, right? Because it doesn't have to be in childhood. We can receive these these wounds anywhere. But the difference is that our medical system, and again, I, I work on physical hearts during the day. So it's not like I'm having any, I love our medical system. But at the same time, when you have a wound that you can visually see, people take care of it, right? Like, if I just had this big laceration on my arm, and it's all filled with debris and everything, and I don't take it to the doctor, what do you think is going to happen, right? I'm going to get infected. Infected, gangrene, I'll probably lose the arm. But people are walking around with these same wounds, just they're not physical. I mean, they're not uh, physically seen. And because people can't see them, that doesn't mean that they don't need to be taken care of. Right, I think that's a really good point to make
0: that there's so many people walking around with wounds and broken hearts and um, these deep, deep cuts and scar tissue. Mm -hmm. um, And that needs just as much attention, if not more attention than the physical wounds that we receive. So I love that, um, you know, Aldis is working and created Hearts on the Table to help get to the problem early on with mm-hmm. teens and young adults. And like she mentioned, this isn't just something like, oh, you had some like big trauma in your life. And we're like, this is teaching you, even if you haven't had a big trauma, but how to set you up for success, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. To, you, to bring that community, right? You talked about getting- Mindsets, that, right? Just that, getting, getting mindsets. yourself yeah. around people that have done it, right? Mm-hmm. That are entrepreneurs that mm-hmm. have created businesses, that have- um, you know, seen success and have strong minds, you know, we want to teach these young people how to cultivate that for themselves because ultimately nobody can do the work for you. Like it's up to that individual. So we're teaching them, we're giving them the tools, the resources so that way they can be healthy people in society, Mm -hmm. right, healthy grown people. So I want to just, probably most teens are not going to be listening to this (laughs) But um, I want to give you a chance to maybe talk to the parents. I know um, one thing that I was talking with a friend about recently was that for young children, um, how we speak to them, and I'm a mom, so like I focus heavily on this. It's like how we speak to them and how we engage with them becomes their inner voice, mm-hmm. right? which I see true for yes, you. You're constantly absolutely. told, oh, you're not going to amount to anything like you're good for nothing, you're ugly, you're this, you're that, like, they're gonna take that and believe it. So what is something, maybe a piece of encouragement or a piece of advice you would say to the parents um, of a teen or maybe a, you know, middle schooler?
1: Well, I think you, you touched on that you are that voice for them. So I would keep in mind that just like you wouldn't talk to a guest, like let's say, for instance, especially this goes more for younger children, but it can yeah. be any child of any age, right? Like sometimes they make a mistake, they'll knock something over or, you know, make a mess and not clean it up or whatever the case may be. And sometimes our words come out of frustration, they come out of anger. They don't, you don't even mean to be that harsh, right? But you've got to be a little careful with that because. Just like, again, and I go back to the example of a guest. If a guest came to your house and may have left something by accident out or, you know, accidentally spilled something, you wouldn't be like, oh, you dummy, like, you know, why? look where you're going, blah, blah, blah. But it's just as easy to do that with the people that we care about the most, yeah. especially the people that we're, you know, we're supposed to care, you know, shelter and, and help nurture, which is our kids, you know, and like you said, our voice becomes that internal voice it is known that 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 internal voice that we call you know our conscious and that always that that's always the adult parent right inside wow. of us that judges us and guilts us and shames us and stuff like that so you know if you want your child to have a healthy voice you know try to work on yourself as well you know i really think that the most initial relationship that helps all of our other relationships is that first initial relationship with ourselves, right? One of the the reasons that I started Hearts on the Table is that during quarantine, I watched the Gabriel Fernandez documentary. If anybody sees it on Netflix, it's awful. I, you know, parents beware. Right. Um, But as I was watching the awful tragedy that happened to this kid and how he died at his, you know, the hands of his mother and her step, uh, or his stepfather you know, what came to my mind was that they actually talked about the abuse she faced at that age. Mm-hmm. So I always thought, who knows how this story would have ended if she would have gotten some help, right? If she would have healed through the trauma, I think she had been raped by several men when she was wow. like seven years old, yeah. the same death or the same age that he died at seven. So to me, I, it just, you know, it, it, I I'm trying to get the teens to just shift some mindsets. It doesn't necessarily have to be. Everybody doesn't have to go through trauma, but if in their mind, in their their mind monsters, I call them, you know, are, are words that are saying, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. You're going to be just like XYZ insert family member that didn't succeed here or, you know, all you can do is sell dope or, you know, all this. Like, there's nothing else expecting. You know, like, I would like them to be able to shift those mindsets, right? Start yeah. feeding their minds better things um, because I really do believe that that first relationship, the way that we talk to ourselves, the way that we allow people to treat us really sets everything else up, right? The habits that we instill in ourselves you know, now are going to be the the habits that either take us down the path of, you know, destruction, or they take us to success. It's our choice. So that's kind of why hearts on the table is so important for me and the age range, right? Because, you know, they're going to choose better, healthier partnerships, they're going to be better parents, and they're going to live in their purpose. And that way it continues, or, you know, the cycle of, or the healing cycle continues. Yeah, for sure. I like that a lot. So I know you have
0: some um, virtual events, yes. a whole calendar full. For the month of November, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the workshops that you have?
1: of course. Thank you so much for the opportunity for that. Um, And right now, you know, it's just a very different world we're kind of living in, right? Like, there's so many plans that we have. Like, there's this thing that I want to create, which is a confidence camp. And I haven't put these dreams aside. You know, we're just living in a COVID world. And, you know, we have to kind of figure out how we're going to do things. Um, But I do want to create a very fun fills, not just workshop-based. You know, I do want them to get life skills, but I also want to make this fun for the teens that join our organization. So we are planning events give us a little bit of patience on that. But in the time being, we do have online events, like I mentioned, and our first one is coming up next Thursday at 7pm. And on Instagram and Facebook, I have teen interest forms. And the reason why those are so important for you to fill out is because I'm going to need your email to send you the zoom link. You know, we want to make sure that we know who's going to be on the zoom call. So I want your email so I can send that private link. I'm not going to just be posting it everywhere. Um, You can get more information about all of the other their workshops. We have an Instagram and we have a Facebook page. They're both under Hearts on the Table. And we're having some glitches with the website, but it should be up by the end of this week or early next week. And that's also heartsonthetable.com. I'm so excited. Um,
0: yes. So they're going to be doing um, events and different things for um, our young people throughout the month of November. So definitely check them out. Um, Go to Instagram and on Facebook, um, Hearts on the Table, and then heartsonthetable.com in just about a week. Everything will be ready, but you can get more information. Um, Parents, if you're looking for something for your kids, um, for your teenagers, and you want them to be able to just have some better life skills, get some mindset training, Um, definitely check this out. Talk to Eldest. connect with her, um, because this is going to be so transformative and I can't wait to see how it all plays out. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I really appreciate it. (laughs) It's
0: so amazing. And I'm so excited um, to see how God really just works in in this organization and how he moves and how he grows um, you and, you know, you can reach more people, so I'm super excited. Yeah,
1: me too. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Lauren.
0: Yes, you're so welcome.
1: <laughs> to everyone that was watching um, and
0: listening, thank you for being here. We hope that um, you learned something tonight, that you were encouraged, that maybe your mind was open, your eyes were open to some things. So um, we really wanna make this encouraging and also practical. There are tools and resources out there mm-hmm. um, to help you be better, to heal. And it's it's not pretty. Like, don't don't get this wrong. No. It's not pretty. Healing is not uh, sexy. No, it's, it's not sexy. Not, <laughs> it's not, girl, it's not it's messy. No.
1: It's messy. It's messy. But it's worth it, it right? Takes it's time. Worth it it, takes, it time. takes time, but it's worth it.
0: And it's allowing God access to mm-hmm. those dark hidden places, those hurts, mm-hmm. and those wounds that never received full healing. Like, there is such a freedom. And I know that I did it um before i got married you know because i had so much junk i was a mess you know i was a single mom for a long time and you know i just was like you said dating the wrong people getting into the wrong kinds of relationships looking for love in all the wrong places like all that cliche kind of stuff <laughs> i did it and it was bad and it was awful and i finally like released control and was like god i want to be cleansed i want you know to be whole i want to be complete all by myself. And I think that's a big takeaway that we want for these young kids, that they don't need to find love or affirmation in another person or in another thing. With God, they are complete all by themselves. Mm -hmm. So make sure to check out Hearts on the Table. Again, that's heartsonthetable.com and Hearts on the Table on Facebook, Instagram. for all of the latest updates and resources. So I'll just thank you again. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you. Thank you everyone for watching. And <laughs> that's all for me. I will talk to you on the next one.